It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the owner of KWM Radio and co-host of the State Planning Essentials Program, honestly, honorably seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting via telephone, so I'm not really sitting in person, with my excellent friend, my excellent attorney, and my outstanding co-host, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hi, Don. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I appreciate your time and the um, education we're going to receive over the next half an hour about estate planning. And this wasn't especially, this one is, is sort of a 101 program, but it's not because it really goes deep into the nine different ways someone can create a will to protect their assets and themselves. Can you get into that today for us? Yeah. You know, the reason why I said all these different types of wills, because a lot of times, uh, people think that there's just one will out there, and you can right. just get it online or something like that. Right. They say, okay, that's it. All I have to do is have a, a will <laughs> online, and that's it. And they don't know that there's lots of different types of wills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that, well, let's go through some of the basic stuff, the basic different types of ways that people have wills, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of times this is not something that people normally think about. By well, saying that, all, you just you, you triggered something in my mind that you've taught me and the others over the years. I don't know if that's for today's topic, but I love that theater of the mind that you create with boxes within boxes. Is that part of today's discussion? Yeah, that, yes, okay. that that would be um, right. part of one of the wills that sometimes people create, and we'll get Good. into that in just a okay. second. But before we do that, I guess you have to say what's a will anyway. For right. those who don't know, you have to have certain conditions. First of all, uh, you have to be of sound mind. If you lack capacity, you can't sign a will. Or, or for that matter, most documents you can't sign unless you have enough mental capacity. Now, interestingly enough, the capacity for signing a will is different than signing for a contract, and it's different than for making a gift. And actually, the testamentary capacity is actually less for signing a will than it would be for, let's say, making a gift. And the okay. reason for that is because you need the money <laughs> for your lifetime. Uh, okay. So, uh, you have to be of sound mind. Of course, you have to be uh, old enough. Uh, that means uh, you have to be age of majority, uh, usually whatever state that is. Some states it's 18, sometimes it's 21. Uh, here, uh, there are a couple of uh, – there's an exception if you're in the military, but generally um, you have to be at least age 18 here uh, in Texas. Uh, you also have to show testamentary intent. In other words, you know – this is what I plan. This this is my will. This is my will. You have to show some sort of testamentary intent. Intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it's going to have to be signed by the person who signed whose will it is. 
And, well, it depends on the situation, whether it's witnessed or notarized, and I'll get into that in just a minute. Okay. So they also, also can't have any undue influence uh, or duress. Uh, you know, so, you, you know, a lot of times when people have will contests, they do it on equitable grounds. In other words, they say the person lacked mental capacity or they were unduly influenced. Uh, this is often the reason uh, why... You're a beneficiary. You should not often, uh, most of the time, you shouldn't be in the same will, same room when the will is being signed. So let's say you had a child in with a parent when they signed the will. Uh, if you think there's any potential for a contest, then that child probably should not be in the room when the uh, parent signed the will because it's more reason to think that there would be undue influence. Uh, or, or duress, uh, that's not less uh, argued uh, in will contest. Duress is like somebody has a gun to you, you got to sign this will. Right. Obviously, you can't sign a will if you're under duress. Right. Well, anyway, uh, so, um, all right, now let's uh, talk about different types of wills. Uh, first, we'll talk about a simple will. Now, a simple will, when somebody says, I want a simple will, quite frankly, a lot of times I think if they want whatever the cheapest thing you can get. <laughs> and, um, and so if you really think of, in my, I think everybody's definition of a simple will is different than what a really, really simple will is. A simple will is just basically saying, all right, um, there's no trust within the will that you talk about the boxes. There's mm-hmm. no issues regarding taxes. It just basically says, so-and-so is my executor, and so-and-so gets the assets, and it just doesn't really go into much Death. It doesn't even cover what happens if that person died. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, you see these wills that they th- they don't think about what happens if the person uh, who is the beneficiary predeceases, mm-hmm. especially when they try to do it themselves. So remember, I've, I've told stories before about my wife's grandmother, Grandma Gussie, who lived to be 107 and a half, and uh, she had two of her three children predecease her and one of her grandchildren predeceased her. The longer you live, the more likely something like that could happen. And, of course, right. during the pandemic, a lot of times people who were younger passed. So, you know, so when you have a really simple will and people just don't think about the all the bad things that could happen. So right. the planner thinks about the bad things that could occur. Uh, the person who signs the will generally, if they don't have a, some sort of planner, often just thinks about the situation as it exists today. Right, which is crazy that. because that's what we said last week, too. You lay out all the what-ifs. And, and what if someone gets in their car during the terrible weather this, this winter here in Dallas and they get into a car accident and pass away, then what? I mean, it's just what a nightmare. But you think about that, as difficult as it is, so that no one gets hurt later. Yeah, there's a lot of times there's different. So another type of will would be a will with a trust, like you were talking about, the boxes mm-hmm. inside the will. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's a testamentary trust. In other words, it passes by your last will and testament. All right, so so in other words, the typical is let's say you have a child who's under a certain age that they can't handle funds. So we have an underage trust until typically somebody reaches 25 or 30. It's used for their education or health or maintenance or support. Uh, And then that would be a trust within the will. 
if the child was, or perhaps a grandchild, because remember, either the grandchild could be a beneficiary, or you could say, well, if my child predeceases me and there is a grandchild, I want that grandchild to take the share of the child. And if that grandchild's too young, I want to make sure there's a trust because I don't want the funds to be held by the court and have a conservator of some sort appointed. So a so every usually and quite frankly, anytime there's a potential beneficiary who's a minor, we always have a testamentary trust for a potential minor. In fact, we always have a testamentary trust almost 99% of the time in case somebody's disabled whether it's a spouse or a child, because we don't know if somebody's going to be disabled. Let's say that accident that you made reference to, that you were you died, but your child became disabled. Have you? And maybe that child needs to get on public benefits. Or maybe they can't handle things. We don't want to seek guardianship. So you have a, a testamentary trust for the fact that somebody could be disabled. Of course, if somebody's already disabled, you'd have a testamentary trust as well. Or maybe you're concerned about your spouse remarrying, or maybe somebody is a spendthrift, or maybe somebody has credit issues, or maybe, you know, the maybes continue. Maybe you're concerned about your child uh, has married to somebody you don't want that no good son-in-law or daughter-in-law to get the funds because they may remarry. It could be any number of things. It could be that somebody has an addiction. Anyway, the bottom line is you have to see what the goals of the client are, and you could have a trust within the will, just as you were making reference to, a testamentary trust will. So a will with a testamentary trust. The next will, the third type of will that I'll mention, is a holographic will. A holographic will is a will that's wholly in your handwriting. Texas allows a holographic will. Wow. Now, again, you have, it has to be totally in your handwriting. Uh, it has to show your intent. Uh, it must be signed by the person who is creating the will. It must, uh, you know, specifically say what you want. Mm-hmm. But really, uh, surprisingly uh, to some, uh, you do not have to have witnesses or a notary. So mm-hmm. a lot of people might say, oh, gee, well, I'm just going to do a handwritten will. But, of course, that leads to a lot of mistakes because people aren't lawyers. They yeah. don't have an executor. They may yeah. have people might not agree on who, who should be in charge. And then you have to have dependent administration, which is more mm-hmm. expensive, or it may not say that there's a power to sell, or maybe you can't read somebody's handwriting. That's what I was so, going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you saw my handwriting, people tell me I should be a doctor. Exactly. My uncle is a is almost like draw, draws and, and paints like Picasso. It's incredible, Michael, and I can't draw a stick man. And it, it's amazing how it, it runs in the family with some but not others. So I'm like you. I can't draw or write anything, and that's why I think, as you just said for the last three minutes, a holographic will is insane and dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. Usually there's mm-hmm. mistakes, but we, you yeah. know, we probated holographic wills, but, mm-hmm. and there was a lot more during the pandemic because people couldn't get out and whatever, they couldn't yeah. do things the way they used to. So, so, but there, it is valid. In fact, at one time there used to even be what they called nuncapated wills, oral wills, but those have since been outlawed and are no longer good in Texas. But at one okay. time you could even have an oral will. Well, anyway, wow. uh, the next thing is a poor over will, a mm-hmm. poor over will. The number four on our list of wills is a will that you usually do when somebody has a trust. Uh, you know, a trust avoids probate, but a lot of times pe- the biggest mistake that people make is failing to retitle assets in the name of the trust. Right. 
So if they didn't retitle it, then they may have to go through probate, and then it goes according to the terms of the trust. It pours over into the trust. Or in your example, let's say they put everything into the trust, but in your example that you mentioned earlier, the person died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. How are we going to that, that the car accident proceeds aren't in the trust because those weren't even received uh, by the wouldn't be received by the estate until after you died. So right. you need the will to be able. You might need the will to collect the assets from the settlement on the or you know judgment on the personal injury accident. Okay, so a pour over will. You know, before you go any further, I, I respect and appreciate that so much because. When you think all the, you've completed the documentation that all of your work is done, and in my case, owning KWM, DJRD Broadcasting, we did think we were done. And then you said, well, now, of course, don't forget to make sure you make that demonstrable change. And well, what do you mean? Well, for example, change the name of a checking account. So it says DJRD AM or DJRD LLC trust or KWAM trust, even on the checking book or checks themselves to make sure that no one can contest it. Isn't that one example? Well, it's not that people can always contest a will or a trust if somebody lacked capacity, but it would avoid probate. It would avoid probate if you retitled the assets in the trust. If you had uh, a bank account that was in your individual name, well, that's because it's in your individual name. And if it's in your individual name and it doesn't have a beneficiary designation, then what's going to happen? Right. You're going to have to provide the will. Right. And so uh, if you have stock in a company and, and you don't retitle the stock into the name of the trust, mm-hmm. then it's, it could be argued that, well, you'll have to probate the will for it to go according to the terms of the trust. Now, a lot of times it gets into different issues on that, and that gets into trust. Uh, as to what you do, and sometimes it's better to have a will, and sometimes it's better to have a trust. But always when you have a trust, almost in every single situation, you have a will just in case because people make mistakes. It's an insurance policy, basically. Okay, smart. The next one would be more of a reciprocal will. So typically, uh, if you have a husband and wife, everything they they say their wills are almost identical. Whatever I have goes to you and then goes to kids if they have kids. Uh, it's, it's a reciprocal will, identical terms. And so it's, it's just kind of a mirror image uh, will. It's just changing the names of who is the uh, executor and who's the one that's signing the will, the testator or testatrix. Uh, and so that's a reciprocal will. Okay. Uh, and you see that all the time, especially in husband and wife situations. There are similar types of things uh, to reciprocal reciprocal wills uh, called a contractual will, where you could have a contract because they want you want somebody to be able to sue on a contract if the person uh, changes the terms of the will. For example, I give everything to spouse, and spouse uh, wants to change. If they get everything outright, what can they do with it? Anything they want. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so if they want to give it to a new spouse or new lover or whatever, a uh, significant other, well, they could do it. Well, you say, no, 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 no. I want things to go to uh, my children. So if you you have to have it go to the children. Now, again, you know, when we talked about the testamentary trust before, you could have a trust within your will. If you're concerned about your spouse remarrying, instead of it going directly to the spouse, you could have it go to them in a trust 
And then you say, who do you want in charge? Do you want that spouse with one of your children? Do you want somebody else to be in charge? And then it can be used for the benefit of the spouse. And then after spouse dies, it goes to the children. But sometimes people have contractual wills to make sure that they don't change and they could sue on the, for breach of contract if they change the will. Very good. Right. Very helpful. Um, so far, a good number of different types of wills that Mike has presented to us today, and there are a few more. But we want to talk about your next workshop so that if anyone has any questions about wills and trusts or estate planning in general or government assistance in general, they should sign up for that next online Zoom workshop. Uh, it's not in person, but it's online on Tuesday, March the 22nd at 1 o'clock. And, Michael, you've been doing these workshops via Zoom for over two years now, ever since COVID struck. Uh, you've been doing the ones in person for uh, coming up to 10 years now. So you've got these down perfectly. But they're always unique and um, surprising to the people that attend because people ask very uh, curious questions. But your answers are always stellar, are always excellent. Um, but tell us more about those workshops and why they're so beneficial to the people that attend. We ask people what they want to know, and that's what makes every workshop different. So every one of those workshops for the last uh, almost 10 years, like you said, have been different because I never know what the questions are going to be. There are some questions that people often ask about, oh, you know, the difference between a will or a trust that are more basic, but then they get into more of their own situations that are their own concerns. It could be about estate planning. It could be about a trust. It could be about a will. It could be about probate. It could be about Medicaid and saving uh, assets for the family. It could be about veterans' benefits. We don't know what people are going to ask about. It could be about taxes. It could mm -hmm. be about uh, – we just don't know what the questions are going to be. So every single workshop is different, which I love because I never know what questions are going to be, uh, and, and that gives you the opportunity to answer those questions and uh, help out somebody in a way that – Hopefully, that they're, they're most appreciative of. Uh, to go to that, what we do is at the workshop, by the way, is we ask people what they want to know. We have a presentation. Mm -hmm. We answer the questions either throughout the workshop or uh, certainly before the end of the workshop. And even if we didn't get to all answer all the questions because of lack of time for whatever reason, although generally we do, uh, we do give an opportunity to have a one-hour free vision meeting only if you attend the two-hour free estate planning essentials uh, workshop. Mm -hmm. uh, to do that, all you have to do is sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Or uh, you can call our number, 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. It's very simple. It's on Zoom at this time, although we're probably going to be doing them in person very soon as we think that the pandemic is getting behind us. Uh, or we'll have an option of either in person or uh, by Zoom. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see as time goes by. Uh, to do that, uh, again, all you have to do is call Dallas, uh, call 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. It's going to just be a link that will have a Zoom link that even if you've never done that before, we'll teach you. And it's just going to be a one or two clicks at the most. And that's it. It's very simple. You'll see. And maybe you'll, you'll find, you'll maybe enjoy learning to do something new. We had 
Uh, we were probating Will earlier this week, and uh, it was the first time somebody had done it by Zoom, mm -hmm. and uh, we had kind of guide the person who was, so the, we had a probate in Collin County. The judge was on uh, one uh, at the courthouse, and I was in my office, and the client was at their home, and we were just all doing everything by Zoom. Well, uh, that's the new norm, uh, I suppose, at least for the time being, until everything is completely clear. Uh, and similarly, with the workshop, it's going to be just clicking on a link. And uh, that person that had probated the will this week had never used Zoom before. Taught her. Simple. Done. Good. So. Lots of clicks. Really easy. Attend his next workshop again. That's Tuesday, March the 22nd at 1 o'clock. Dial 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael, I consider trusts and wills and all these other vehicles the boxes that you talk about. I love that theater of the mind. Is there situations where no one needs a will or a trust? Well, I suppose somebody could argue that they had no debts and no assets, but even then, you probably should have a should have a will. And the reason mm -hmm. for that is one of the things that you just mentioned. How do you know that even if you don't have a, any assets or debts right now, how do you know that that's what's going to be happen when you die? Mm -hmm. You mentioned what if I had a per, personal injury accident. What if somebody had a personal injury accident? How are they going to collect? Who's going to have? You're going to have to have an administrator collect if you don't have a will. Well, that's a lot more expensive because then you have to have an attorney represent, you know, whoever's seeking um, whatever the assets are. There'll be somebody, another attorney, to represent the unknown heirs. You may have to get court permission if you're going to sell anything or do anything or have an inventory. Uh, you know, there's a lot of extra work that's involved when you don't have a will. Yeah. And so, and a lot more time. Yeah. So it's kind of like a little bitty insurance policy that, or could be that somebody, for example, on an insurance policy, they didn't name a secondary beneficiary and the first beneficiary died. Or maybe they didn't have a secondary beneficiary on an annuity or an IRA. Um, or maybe they, you know, so it could be any number of things and it would be advisable. I mean, I had my daughters, I have two daughters and One's 19 and one's 23, and when they turned 18, uh, that was what I did for them. I had them do the will and all the other basic estate planning documents. Of course, they would have rather had a car or something like that. Of course. I told them, <laughs> I told them it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I think everybody should have some the basic documents like a will, a power of attorney, medical power attorney, living will, HIPAA. There are some basic documents that most people should have. Uh, but a will, uh, even if you don't have anything, and, and I, I don't care, you don't have to have necessarily, I'm not saying you always have to have an attorney, uh, although I think it's recommended, but generally it's better, it's best to have something uh, in answer to your question. Okay, very good. And let's, uh, for the next two minutes, just talk about the remaining wills that people should discuss or just summarize the nine that you've already or a few that you've brought up so far. Well, there are, I'll tell you a couple of wills that uh, one is that you don't do is a joint will. That was popular in the 1960s, but you see those occasionally because that's, uh, that's where there's a lot of litigation where people, two people, let's say a husband and wife, sign a will together. Really a bad idea. Uh, it, it spawned a lot of litigation. You hardly see that anymore. What we'll see in the future, I'll just briefly mention, is an electronic wills. You're gonna. There are states that have it. 
certain situations where you can have electronic wills. We think that that will be where the future is um, as we get more technologically savvy and, and things get more, uh, there'll be more control to thing, make sure things are done correctly. Uh, so electronic wills are uh, going to be probably what we'll see in the future, just like everything. Um, and one thing I'll also mention that people, a lot of people get confused by uh, is a living will. A living will is not a will at all. That's, that's the pull-the-plug instrument. Uh, people get confused because they say living will, living trust. Living trust is generally a revocable living trust that you can always revoke or amend. A living will is more like don't keep me alive. If I'm going to be uh, passed within six months anyway, let me die as gently as possible or if I'm in a persistent vegetative state. Perfect. Makes, makes great sense. Um, I love how you presented all of this today. Um, I know why I do. Um, whether it's trust within a will, trust within a trust, that theater of the mind, box within a box approach to things really helps me, and I think others better understand it. And I think, too, the reason why is because uh, I want everyone to experience what I have. When my stepson came and surprised us to announce the gender of the baby because they were three months pregnant, they showed up with a box, and on the box it said, boy or girl. And when you open the box, balloons come flying out of the box, basically, indicating what the gender is. So I have that theater of the mind of the boxes, and I, I love the fact that that's the way I can remember trusts and wills because it relates personally and familiarly, too. And uh, I, I hope all, the audience, Michael, understands that as well. If not, they go to the Free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop, and they'll get a better understanding. And if they meet with me, too, and, of course, there's no obligation, but if they did... We'll explain it where they do understand it because we put it in, uh, we, we draw to make it easier for them to see. Uh-oh, we talked about your handwriting, so we have to be careful in the drawing there, right? Nobody confuses me with Pablo Picasso. <laughs> maybe it's kind of, maybe it's a little abstract, so maybe they do. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, you compensate uh, for that for sure in those workshops, which in my mind are extremely helpful, if not invaluable. So everyone listening to this program should sign up for the next one. And to do so, dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElder, E-L-D-E-R, Lawyer.com, for Michael Cohen's Estate Planning Essentials Workshop. I thank you, Michael Cohen. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.